0: theories of the third kind
1: welcome to theories of the third kind my name is aaron and i'm one of your hosts there are two other hosts joining me today danielson yo guys and anna
2: hello hello
1: So before we start today's episode, I just want to say, like always, we do not run any ads on this show or take any money from any corporations. So if you would like to help us out,
0: then there is a few ways that you can do that. One of the ways is Patreon. For only $5 a month, which is 16 cents a day, you can sign up to our Patreon and get an extra episode each week. These Patreon episodes are exclusive to members only. Today we released a Patreon exclusive episode, which is over cults in which we cover cults that you have never heard of before in that episode. So also, we have several more episodes already locked and loaded for your listening pleasure, such as Disney Darkness, Isaac Cappy, McMartin's Satanic Preschool, Clinton Body Count, FEMA, and much more, which you get access to all of it just for five bucks a month.
2: Another way to support is through merchandise. Just teleport on over to our website, TheoriesOfTheThirdKind.com, and click on the shop button. Then you can see all the merchandise we have for sale. I just wanted to say that the money we get from Patreon and the merchandise goes to bettering the show. And also, I know things are tough out there right now, so if you can't afford a shirt or a Patreon membership, but you want to help us out, then you can leave us a written review on iTunes. And that helps us out a ton.
1: If you don't want to leave one, though, then that's fine. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, Bigfoot, Sasquatches, Chupacabras, Ghosts, Illuminati members, Underground Lizard people, whoever or whatever you are, to enjoy the show. Also, one last thing, if any of you would like to reach out to us, then you can shoot us a message on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, or you can go to our website, TheoriesOfTheThirdKind.com, you can click on the contact button, and there you will find all of our email addresses. Also, on our site, you can click the voicemail button and leave us a voicemail anonymously with your phone, and we will play it at the end of the show each week. How this episode will go today is that we will first cover a general overview of what the Waco siege was, then we will get into the backstory of David Koresh, life within the cult, the standoff, and then roll into strange facts and findings along with the theories surrounding it all. So with all that being said, let's get into today's episode.
0: In February of 1993 in Waco, Texas, there was a 51-day standoff between government officials and the branch of Davidians church. 76 branch Davidians, including 25 children, would die as a result of this standoff. Some say it was the government's fault, while others say it was the church's fault. We have dove through survival interviews, FBI court documents, and personal stories of people around the town to try and give you accurate details of what truly happened. As we tell you this story, we'll leave it up to you to decide who is to blame for the events that took place in Waco, Texas.
1: So to understand this story, we have to start at the beginning. We have to start with David Koresh.
2: So he was actually born Vernon Wayne Howell in Houston, Texas, back in 1959. His mother was only 14 at the time when she got pregnant. His dad was 20, but he wasn't around when he was born. His dad had found another underage teenage girl and left little Vernon's mom.
1: Um, a little side note here. From now on, we're going to refer to Vernon as just, you know, David Koresh or Koresh. We'll explain the name change, you know, later on, but just letting you listeners know for clarification
0: and going forward with the story. So after Koresh was born, his mother, of course, being only 15, unmarried, and probably super looked down upon not only by society, but by her family at the time, decided to start hitting the bottle. Koresh's mom became an alcoholic when he was only four years old. She left him with his grandmother for her to
1: raise. Do you guys remember the Charles Manson episode? Isn't this very similar to Charles Manson, how his mother left when he was, what, four or five? Very similar path. So just something worth noting there, you know.
2: Koresh's life growing up was described as lonely and difficult. His grandparents would take him to their church each week, which was the Seventh-day Adventist church. In school, Koresh was frequently bullied. He had poor grades and was constantly struggling because of his dyslexia. He eventually ended up dropping out of high school his junior year. Koresh did have two huge passions in life, which was music and the Bible. In his early 20s, he spent a short time in Los Angeles actually trying to make it as a rock star. But that didn't really work out, so he ended up moving to Waco, Texas in 1981.
1: In 1983, David Koresh joined a religious sect that called themselves the Branch Davidians. Now, these Branch Davidians, they were a splinter group of a different religion known as the Seventh-day Adventist Church, which was the same church that Koresh attended with his grandparents when he was younger. The Seventh-day Adventist Church was established in 1935 by Victor Hotev. Victor's wife, Florence, predicted that on April 22, 1959, that would mark the dawn of the new messianic age. But that doomsday prediction didn't happen. Because of this failed prediction, it caused
0: the group to split into several factions. One of these factions was led by a man named Ben Roden. They built a big house in Waco where all the followers could stay and named themselves the Branch Davidians. So this Ben Roden guy who made this runner group, he passed away, and his wife Lois took over.
2: So of course, like we mentioned, Koresh showed up to this compound in 1983 and joined the Branch Davidians. There at the compound, they had no running water, heat, or electricity. They would do Bible study three times a day. The leader at the time, Lois Roden heard about Koresh being able to play the guitar and sing and encouraged him to continue. This eventually became part of the group's daily Bible sessions.
1: So here in a minute, we're going to listen to that. But, I mean, it's pretty interesting. But uh, in 1983, Lois allowed Koresh to begin teaching his own message, which he called the Serpent's Root. Now, this caused like some controversy in the, uh, like within the group. So, not only did he start teaching his own message, Koresh eventually began to claim that God had chosen him, now get this, to father a child with Lois, who that child would be the chosen one. So yeah, you uh, you guessed it right. The late 60-year-old woman leader started to have sexual relations with the uh, 20-ish-year-old David Koresh. Wow. Yeah, of course, uh, Lois never got pregnant, and she ended up passing away shortly after the uh, sexual relationship started. I don't know how she passed away. A lot of speculation. But <laughs> Anyways, so uh, when Lois died, her son George took over.
2: So George, he's an interesting character. He had been... We'll call it a less than upstanding citizen. He had been previously sentenced to six months in prison for asking God, in a legal motion, to inflict AIDS and herpes on judges. What?
1: (laughs) How do you do that in a legal motion and expect that that's going to go good? How do you do that with a straight face? That's a good question. (laughs) Oh my God.
2: Just so you know, George and Koresh did not get along.
1: He was like,
0: you're not my daddy. (laughs) (laughs) You're not my father, Koresh. You never will be.
2: Hold on, I'm confused. I thought George was older than Koresh.
1: He was older than Koresh.
2: Okay, so you're saying that Koresh would have said, you're not my daddy to George.
0: No, George would have said it to Koresh. Because Koresh and George's mom were banging.
2: Oh, okay. And he's like, so "You're not I, my daddy." Yeah, I get that. <laughs> You're not I my guess daddy. for some reason I was I misinterpreted, thinking that we were saying that George was the baby of Lois and Koresh. Okay. No, no.
0: no. no. Oh no.
2: Okay. Even though I know she didn't get pregnant, I my brain went. Through, I'm like, wait a second. I saw a picture of this guy. He was older than Koresh ever got to.
0: <laughs> oh god. Yeah. So Koresh believed that he was the Messiah and should be the leader of the Branch Davidians. And George believed he should be the leader. So to make things harder, part of the group believed George should be and another part believed Koresh should be. Because of this power struggle, George forced Koresh and his side of the followers off the compound by gunpoint. And they decided to stay in Palestine, Texas for a little while.
1: Yeah, so Koresh and about 25 of his followers set up a camp in Palestine, Texas, which Palestine is about uh, 90 miles northeast from Waco. So in Palestine, Koresh and his followers, they lived under rough conditions. They lived in buses and tents for pretty much the next two years. But even during these rough times, Koresh still preached his teachings. And he also undertook quite a bit of new followers from California, the United Kingdom, Israel, and Australia. Now that same year, He traveled to Israel. Now, this is where he claimed he had a vision that he was the modern-day Cyrus.
2: So, by late 1987, George's followers were in a real deep decline at the Waco Branch Davidian compound. George was hearing that Koresh was doing very well in, in Palestine, Texas, and heard about his followers continuing to grow. Of course, this made him extremely jelly.
1: Yeah, he was extremely jealous. Uh, Koresh and George still had their, like, battle against each other, right? Well, Koresh had written and recorded a song about George called Madman in Waco. Now, a lot, and I mean a lot of people, think that Koresh had written this song about himself, but it was actually about George, okay? I mean, almost everybody I've talked to was like, hey, he wrote a song about himself. It's like, no, it's about George, the ex-leader of the Branch Davidians, But uh, we're going to take a listen to that right now.
2: That's a good song about the Lord. Yeah. And Waco.
1: I mean, he's got some musical talent. Daddy does. Yeah, he does. Just like Manson. Definitely. So, yeah, my daddy's pretty good at playing the
0: guitar. Yeah. Anyways. (laughs) (laughs) So George had to find a way to win over Koresh's new followers. So what did he do? Well, he challenged Koresh to a contest to raise the dead. (laughs) Yeah, baby. George decided to cheat, though, and dig up someone from the local cemetery beforehand. Oh, my God.
2: (laughs) (laughs) What the hell? Oh,
0: okay. (laughs) All right. Koresh found out about this and alerted the police, who said, Eh, we we can't really do anything unless you have photographic evidence. So Koresh decided to go get it. He took seven male followers they all dressed in camouflaged, armed themselves with 5.223 caliber semi-automatic assault rifles 222 caliber rifles two 12 gauge shotguns and nearly 400 rounds of ammunition and tried to sneak onto the property to get photos that is a lot of weapons just for some photos yeah i i understand why they armed themselves like that cuz the one photo i did see of george he seemed to be a gun nut himself yeah He was. So, this, of course, started a firefight, and during it, George was shot in the chest and hands. George survived. But, of course, Koresh and the seven males were arrested for attempted murder. So, they went on the trial, and all seven were acquitted, and a mistrial was declared in Koresh's case. Now, Koresh told the jury he and his men went to Mount Carmel in Waco to find evidence of corpse abuse by George Roden, and their shots were aimed at a tree. (laughs) Good one. But hey, it got them off, right? So It got them off. I'm guessing that George must have been in the camouflage too, and they're just like, oh, shit, a tree. And George like, walks out, and, oh, you shot me. Yeah.
2: So two years after the gunfight with Koresh, one of George's followers claimed to be the true messiah. Well, of course, George got all upset and murdered the guy with an axe.
1: <laughs> Typical George.
2: <laughs> well, obviously, George got arrested and he went to trial for murder. The courts found him insane, and he was confined to a psychiatric hospital at Big Spring, Texas. Now, George owed thousands of dollars in unpaid taxes on the Mount Carmel Center, which was the Branch Davidian compound in Waco. Koresh heard about this and was like, let's raise some money. Koresh and his followers were able to raise the money and claim the property. Also at this time... Koresh legally had his name changed from Vernon Howell to David Koresh for publicity and business purposes.
0: It's a good name change.
1: I think Vernon Howell to David Koresh is a great name change.
2: Yeah, he took them both from the Bible.
0: Yeah, I think because David came from the Bible and then Koresh meant
1: like king or something like that. Koresh is the biblical name of Cyrus the Great, a Persian king. Okay.
2: I think David came from David and Goliath.
1: Yep. So, uh... Koresh became leader of the compound. He had many followers come and learn from his teachings. Not only that, but they started to, like, fix up the compound. And uh, it was actually pretty nice. Uh, The compound had running water, electricity, pretty much everything you'd have in a normal home. They even had a big old pool in the backyard for swimming. Now, I know in the media, they portrayed it during the siege as, like, the compound was, like, no electricity, no running water, none of that stuff, which was untrue. Anyways, so being a part of the group, you had to attend daily religious sermons, which were almost always held by David. Um, So one of the things about being a Branch Davidian, especially under David, was that you were supposed to separate yourself from the world. The world is like the sin, the flesh, like the desires of the world. And you're supposed to be spiritual. Um, There was also certain rules like uh, no makeup for women. No jewelry for men or women. You're also not to eat, like, any dairy products, which, I mean, if you asked David why you couldn't drink milk, his explanation was milk is a baby food, and that's what you eat when you're a baby, which there's some reasoning behind that, but okay.
2: In the series, you know, Gary gives him six gallons of milk in trade for some kids to leave. I mean, I didn't look to see, I didn't write anything down about The milk about
1: was it. for the, the milk was for the babies. Okay. His children were still inside there. Okay. No dairy products at all. Damn. So no cheese? No, no cheese.
0: Oh, I gotta have some cheese.
1: There's some also like some other odd things. Like you could have apples and bananas together, but not oranges and bananas together. There was like a, a lot of like weird rules when it came to like combining foods. Um, Like you couldn't eat fruit and vegetables together. That was one weird thing. Um, Another thing is that, like, you couldn't have any processed flour or, like, no sugar at all. It was, like, really weird when it came to food.
0: Yeah. So when it was wintertime and it would get super cold, a lot of the women would cook pots of onion soup with nothing in it. Like, no cheese, no meat, nothing except onions. Mm.
1: Yeah, there was also a thing where, like, a woman actually put cheese inside of her onion soup one time and she got in pretty bad trouble for it.
2: How'd she get cheese?
0: I don't know. That's a good question. Does that make goat cheese? Maybe. But uh, there were a lot of these odd rules, and it was almost like he was testing people to see if they would obey his teachings. Even with these odd rules, people still came from all over the world to live in the compound and hear David's sermons and learn from his teachings. Yeah, and there was a lot
1: of people that came from all over the world. I'm going to intervene real quick. All these people were not like your typical crazy type people you would think of that was coming. I mean, there was educated people who came there, like lawyers and stuff, would come there with their family and quit their jobs just to hear David's teachings. So, it's just something to keep in mind.
0: One of the things that he claimed he had cracked the code of the seven seals in the book of Revelation, which predicted events leading to the apocalypse, he taught these lessons to his followers.
2: Other teachings that Koresh had was his new light prophecy. His teachings were basically that he was the Messiah, the messenger of God, that he spoke to God and he wanted him to generate a new generation of individuals to inherit the kingdom of God. So what did his teachings mean? Well, it meant that all the women belonged to him. So he dissolved all existing marriages. So men in the group would have to become celibate. Of course, if they were married... Then no more sexual relations with their wives at all, whom under the teachings of the New Light prophecy also meant that they were no longer married, technically.
1: Yeah, I know this seems like messed up, but everyone like who arrived to the compound and heard David's teachings had a choice to leave. He was not keeping everyone there hostage or whatever. Like all the married couples decided to choose. This was the prophecy. Right, And he was correct about it, and it was not forced upon him. Now, I also want to take note, like this is not defending his actions. This is not us saying what he did was right and what he preached was right. This is just letting you listeners know what it was like there in the compound. So, it's just a little FYI.
2: They weren't in the anthill cult.
1: No, they weren't getting their legs chopped off, which we talked about in today's Patreon exclusive
0: episode. So good. Such a good episode. Mm-hmm. So, of course, David Koresh started selecting some of the ex married wives and having babies with them. Words started spreading around Waco, Texas about this church group. Many people around the town made rumors up about them. The local news station caught wind of this and decided to run a story on them. In this story, they mentioned some of the rumors about Koresh was alleged to have been involved in multiple incidents of physical and sexual abuse against children, which wasn't true, but wanting the headline and shock. The local news ran with it anyway. Because of that, you know, in 1992, Texas CPS came out to the compound and conducted a six-month investigation. After the six-month investigation, Texas CPS stated that there is no evidence of physical or sexual abuse of any children at the Branch Davidian compound.
1: Yeah, and you don't hear about that when you read up about this. You don't hear about that CPS investigation. You don't hear about none of that. So, that's just something else worth, you know, keeping the back of your head. While you listen to the rest of this.
0: Now, something else that we need to note here. The Branch Davidians had weapons, and they had many of them. You know, just remember from earlier, Koresh and his seven followers like that had all them assault rifle shotguns and shit. Well, all the weapons owned by Koresh and other members of the Branch Davidians were, in fact, legally purchased and owned. They often took the weapons to gun shows to sell them to make profit to pay the bills at the compound. That is true. So, why do we mention this? Well, in May of 1992, the UPS postman was delivering a package to the, the Branch Davidian Compound. One of the packages fell, broke open, and revealed firearms, grenade casings, and black powder. All which were legal, however, the UPS postman did not know that at this time, so the guide decided to alert the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, a.k.a. the ATF. The ATF officially opened their investigation on June 9, 1992.
2: So, on February 25th, 1993, the ATF received a search warrant for the Branch Davidian compound and an arrest warrant for David Koresh. They suspected that the compound held illegal stockpiles of explosives and firearms. On February 27th, 1993, the Waco Tribune-Herald began publishing an article series entitled The Sinful Messiah. Alleging that David Koresh physically abused children, committed statutory rape, and being entitled to at least 140 wives, all which were baseless lies and media manipulation to help paint the government officials as justified in what happens next.
0: So that package that broke open had grenade casings, like actual grenade casing and then black powder in it. Yeah, which were legal to have. That's crazy. I didn't know you could buy grenade casings.
1: Yeah, I mean, all this leads up to what happens, the, the siege and the standoff. You have the media finding out the rumors about what's happening there, and then these are completely baseless rumors. The news, local news stations decide to run a story about it. So then after they did the story of that shock headline that they wanted so people would watch The Texas CPS came out, ran a six-month investigation, found nothing. Well, then the postman said, "Hey, they're doing you know some illegal shit over here with all these firearms and grenades." ATF comes out, starts doing an investigation, and then issues a search warrant for the compound and an arrest warrant for David Koresh, saying that they suspected him holding illegal stockpiles of explosives and firearms. But then on February 27th, a couple days after that, the Waco Tribune started a series saying that, hey, this guy, David Koresh, is abusing children and raping them, and he has like 140 wives. Well, get this shit. So surprise, surprise, the very next day after that article was published on February 27th, on February 28th, 1993, the ATF decided to raid and arrest David Koresh, Because they had a reason to believe, the Mount Carmel community had nearly 250 weapons, including semi-automatic rifles, assault rifles, shotguns, revolvers, pistols, and hundreds of grenades. That's what the records show is the reason why they uh, raided them. And also, the ATF said in the records that they wanted to arrest Koresh for unlawful possession of a destructive device, which was the grenades, and search the seventy seven acre compound, and this is where the shit starts, okay this is where it gets intense um now some say that the reason the branch Davidians were ready to attack is because the branch Davidians knew that the a t f was coming. A reporter inadvertently tipped off koresh's brother in- law actually, so what what happened was. Now, this is insider shit that nobody else knows. The media was had been meeting with the ATF a week before this raid was to go down. The ATF wanted themselves to be painted in a good light because of what happened at Ruby Ridge. And if you aren't familiar with Ruby Ridge, go back and listen to that. So, the ATF was getting ready to raid. They had sent out multiple camera crews... So, one of the camera crews was driving down a dirt road trying to find that Mount Carmel complex, which was in Waco, the morning before the raid. The camera guy for one of the local media stations pulls over because he's unable to find it. He saw a postal service guy delivering packages. That cameraman goes up to the postal service guy and says, Hey, I'm looking for the Mount Carmel complex. Do you know where it's at? Guy gives him directions and he says, May I ask why the camera crew's going there? I mean, are you running a story on them? Are you running a story on them or something? Like, what's the deal? Camera guy goes, look, uh, I'm not supposed to say anything, but the ATF is about to raid the compound and arrest David Koresh, and they want us there to record it to paint them in like a good light. The post office guy was like, oh, okay. But is what the cameraman didn't know is that that post office guy was a part of the Branch Davidians. So he turns around and hauls ass back. He alerts the Branch Davidians, hey, ATF is coming. So they that's how they knew ahead of time that that was, uh, that was going down. Guy runs in, hey, you know, and everybody, uh, David Koresh gets all the women to get down on the ground and, uh, you know, get in hiding while the men take up arms and get ready. So that's what happened. Insider
0: scoop. Insider scoop. Anyways. So at 9.45 a.m., 76 ATF agents filed out of their trucks and surrounded the compound. But something went terribly wrong. A gun battle erupted between the agents and the members of the Branch Davidians, leaving four agents dead and 16 wounded. Several Branch Davidians were also killed and wounded. But who shot first? It all depends on who you ask. Officials said the Branch Davidians opened fire on the ATF agents first. But all the surviving Davidians denied this. Some believe the dogs on the compound ran towards the officers in which, just like Ruby Ridge, the officers shot the dogs which erupted into a gunfight. Once the first shots went off, it would be 90 minutes before the end of the firefight. When the gunfight ended, there were 10 total casualties. The remaining 62 adults and 21 children who refused to leave the Mount Carmel compound then began their standoff with the government. During the fight when the ATF agents died, the FBI moved in and took jurisdiction over the raid. The 51 day standoff had officially begun. Uh, can I say something real quick? Okay, so how the compound was set
1: up. you had the females were on the lower levels, and then because it was multiple it was, it was like multiple stories, you had the males on the upper stories, right? Um, let's say if a family came in and it was like me, my dad, my mom, and like my younger sister. Um, my sister and my mom would live on the lower floor. And then me and my dad would live on the upper floor because he dissolved marriages because we were all a family. Uh, So then whenever the guy came in and said, everybody, you know, this is what's going on. David told everybody to get down. The next thing was like bullets being shot into the house. So then some of the uh, members started returning fire because some of the word hadn't gotten to them yet that, oh, shit, we're getting raided because it happened so fast. Also, another thing worth noting here is that a lot of the members will tell you that they heard shooting from above, like bullets coming from above the compound. They were getting shot from the sky, which there was a helicopter circling, flying around the compound that was shooting down into the compound. So that's just a little, little knowledge nugget.
0: Knowledge nuggets.
1: Now we'll go back to the 51 day standoff where we're currently at in the timeline.
2: So, because of Ruby Ridge, which happened only six months before this event at Waco, the officers for Waco wanted to try to fix their image and show that they could do this the right way. And Ruby Ridge was not what we thought. As you third kinders know, we released that episode last week and Aaron brought it up earlier, so we're not going to dive into it. But, remember that that siege went on for only 11 days, and both the son and wife were killed by the agents. So because of the bad publicity, the FBI wanted to try to do things differently, to try to better the view of them to the public. So they brought in the HRT team, which is the hostage recovery team. They came in to try to mitigate any further issues. Gary Nosner was assigned as hostage negotiator for this case. He spent 26 of the 51 days on site trying to help them come to an agreement for surrender. By early March, Gary convinced Koresh to release just a few, but not all the kids in the compound. Gary and David have been working on building this relationship and trusting each other's word. So what kind of positive reinforcement do the Davidians get for agreeing to trust the FBI, the HRT, and let their people go? Keep in mind, they didn't keep them. They weren't keeping them hostage. They were holding them for safety. People could leave if they wanted, but at this point, you gotta remember, these people roll up and just start shooting on them. They don't trust yeah. anyone from outside.
1: Not at all. And this was kind of like, also, you have to think of like the followers and their mindset, right? David had been preaching this entire time in his in his sermons that hey, this this type of like, because the Seventh Day Adventists, this this branch of Indians is the offshoot of that, which is like. Considered quote unquote a doomsday cult. David believed that he was going to be like the Messiah, and this government was bringing on the doomsday of the final days. So, this was all being like his prophecy was being fulfilled to some of these members, is what they thought. So, that was the mindset that they were under.
2: Like you said, we were going to be attacked and we'd have to defend our land, and here it is right now happening in front of our eyes. Out of nowhere, these people are attacking us. We must defend. Absolutely. So, Koresh followed through with his deal, gave up some of the kids. Well, on March 9th, the FBI cut the power to the compound.
1: Yeah, they cut the power and the water and, like, stopped, like, pretty much everything. And that's when the media started reporting, oh, the compound lives in, like, primitive ways because they don't have water or electricity and they're keeping these kids under these conditions. When in reality, it was the FBI who fucking did it.
2: Once they cut the power off, David stopped negotiating with them until they turned it back on. But then only three days later, from that point on, everything else got cut off. They only kept power on for three days and were like, yep, that's enough. Cut it off. Now, for any of you who don't understand how they can still negotiate with him on the phone when the power is cut off, well, back in the day, before cell phones were really a thing, you had a phone line. And it didn't matter if you had power or not, because your phone didn't have to be hooked up to power. It just had to be connected to a phone line. So if they cut that, then they'd be screwed. So in this whole siege, when they're talking to David through the phone, you don't have to have power to have a a landline. Just a fun fact for you youngins out there.
0: So on March 14th, the FBI began to use spotlights and loudspeakers at night in the hopes of disrupting the Branch Davidians' sleep. With the cold Texas nights and the screams of dying rabbits being played on the loudspeakers, the hope was that the Branch Davidians would break. The FBI also blared the sounds of warped-up music, Nancy Sinatra singing, these boots are made for walking, Tibetan monks chanting, Christmas carols, telephones ringing, and a lot of other annoying sounds, as a way of psychological warfare.
2: Even helicopters flying low and constantly passing
0: extremely
1: low yeah
2: i mean you hear it when it passes you by in the normal airspace but when it gets down low that's loud you can't you can hardly speak over it and there's little kids in there that aren't getting proper sleep because the fbi think that this is the best way to get david and his people out
1: it just reinforced their beliefs that all that's all it did it didn't help it out one bit it just reinforced his beliefs Mm -hmm. and the followers beliefs
0: all I know is the Shakers and the Patreon episode, they'd be fucking dancing to this shit. Yeah, they would. They'd be <laughs> like, oh.
2: The Shaking Quakers.
0: Shaking Quakers. Check it out on Patreon. Anyways. Negotiations continued, but not much was achieved. Tactical vehicles became more prominent during this period. Now, David was granted an interview from inside the compound in which he stated a few things about what the media and the government officials were saying about him. So we will listen to that right now.
3: You know, it's not against law to buy a firearm. It's not against law to to buy anything that they sell at a gun show. And when this is all resolved, you know, hey, yellow sheet is legal. An accusation is not. And bringing these tanks and stuff around here, I tell you what, being an American first, I'm the kind of guy that I'll stand in front of a tank. You can run over me, but I'll be biting one of the tracks. No one's going to hurt me or my family. That's that's, that's American policy here. You could have arrested me any day as I jog up and down this road. You could have arrested me going to town or going to Walmart. Waco is going to bear witness against the ATF. The two agents across the street over here, uh, Robert Gonzalez, I love the guy. I was honest with him. I brought him into my home. He was going to stay here for two weeks. All this stuff you, may, you guys may want to avoid and deny, you know? You know, he wanted to tour around the place. I promised him a tour. He could have talked to any of these guys around here, anybody. He was free to come and go as he chose. And I do not appreciate it, and never will I ever appreciate somebody coming here with two helicopters and cattle cattle trailers and all that, and uh, pushing people around with guns. Hey, I'll meet you at the doorstep any day, you know, and somebody will get hurt. If you want to keep playing that game, I'm talking to you. Somebody's going to get hurt, because this ain't America anymore when the ATF has that kind of power. To come into anybody's home and kick doors down and things like that. Now I, I heard, and I, I do understand. Someone reminded me of this. I do understand that one of the officers says his gun went off on accident, and that you know that was just like a signal and all that. You know, but look, besides the point, ATF, you boys are wrong. Your practices, your habits, yeah. Drug dealers, fine. You know, but even there's always a question. If there's any question whatsoever, the kids or women are involved. Damn you! I tell you what, you keep your damn gun in your holster. You send a couple of big, brave, invincible kind of men. You let them knock on the door if they're so damn involved to where they can risk their lives for the name of the wall. Then send them up, bulletproof, put them in some kind of uh, night armor or whatever, and let them knock on the door and ask the questions first. But no one's going to expect me, when they come busting in on my door with guns drawn and pointed in the air, and someone fired me, that I'm going to lay down and die for anybody. This just ain't going to happen in this country. God speaks to me. I have a message to present. You may not believe that. If you don't believe that, then believe this. Irrespective of God speaking to me. You see this here? See, this is my family. It may not be like your family. You know, it may not be like your family. This one here, you know, he's my family too. Right, Joseph? Yeah. Tell him, tell him, you know. Look in that camera and tell him what you think about it. Who's treated you good? David. You know, do you mind that song, huh? Do you love Joseph? Is your best buddies? Yeah, yeah. You too, Damon. So you know, you guys, you guys, you have, it, you do it your way. I do it my way. You got to argue with me? You catch me on the side of the road somewhere? You come and argue with me? You come point guns in the, in the direction of my wives and my kids? Damn it! I'll, I'll meet you at the door any time. And I'm sorry some of you guys got shot. But uh, hey, God will have to sort that out, won't He? So we're gonna send this tape out now. And I'm leaking in the back here. I gotta get this taken care of, and uh, I'm hoping to get stronger. And maybe we can send more tapes as issues develop. I do thank you guys, Sheriff Harwell. God bless you. And, you know, thanks for getting us the milk, and. Uh, what can I say? You just um, They call me a rambling man, don't
1: say. Anyway, God bless and we'll sign off, Steve. Yep. So that was the interview he gave. Interesting.
2: Did they release that out to the public?
1: Parts. They cut it up for sensation.
2: Of course, I was just going to say. Like
1: the one main part that you would hear is, I'm sorry some of your men got shot, but we'll uh, we'll have to let God sort that out. That's what they continued to play and play. They didn't play the one of him talking about his kids. They didn't play of like him talking about like the other things that had
0: happened. Because the other things wouldn't get him that much that many views or that much attention. Yeah. That right there though, it's like, oh man, this guy's the devil.
1: Yeah. Sensationalize that, you know, give him the quick bits of headlines.
2: Sound bites.
1: So by the way, when he's talking about uh leaking from the back. Yeah, he was shot. Yeah, he had been shot, so He was still, like, bleeding out of his back. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, shortly after that interview on uh, March 19th, 1993, U.S. Attorney General Janet Reno approved recommendations of the FBI officials to proceed with a final advancement in which the Branch Davidians would be removed from the Mount Carmel Center by force. The FBI... Resorted to ramming the compound with an M728 combat engineer vehicle and pumping CS gas into the compound. So, shortly after pumping large amounts of CS gas into the compound, it caught fire. 79 Branch Divinions perished in the ensuing blaze. 21 of those victims were children under the age of 16. So, what happened to David Koresh? Well, according to the FBI, One of David Koresh's followers, Stephen Schneider, quote unquote, probably realized that he was dealing with a fraud and shot and killed Koresh and then committed suicide with the same gun, which that's what the FBI says. But, I mean, there's other other things. You want to give the second theory as to what happened to David Koresh, Anna?
2: Yeah. So some believe that Koresh died of a gunshot wound to the head during the course of the fire. Overall, no one knows who killed him or if he killed himself. The medical examiner did, however, report that 20 people, including five children under the age of 14, had been shot and a three-year-old had been stabbed in the chest, which was a bit weird. That isn't the end of the strange facts, though. So I think it's about time to hop on over to strange facts and findings and we can start going into what... We found.
1: Yeah. So this first one, uh, I, I didn't write it down, but this first strange facts and findings kind of goes off what we just talked about. So when the M728 combat engineer vehicle rammed into the house, it pushed like a portion of the wall down. A lot of the children were near that portion of that wall because it was like a cement wall. And whenever they were pumping in that CS gas from that, you know, that combat engineer vehicle... Um, a lot of the reports showed that the kids had died from CS gas inhalation and that even some of them had crushed skulls from the concrete wall falling over and crushing them. So that's just a little strange fact I'm finding.
0: What is CS gas? CS gas
1: is considered a non-lethal.
2: It became lethal besides just the fire. The fact that of how much they pumped into a small area. It was... There was no air to breathe. Yeah. So...
0: Like, it's supposed to be non-lethal, but if you're sitting there, nowhere to go, and you're inhaling this non-stop, I'm pretty sure it will affect your lungs. Yeah.
2: It did. Many people died from it.
0: Figured that would have been better planned right there. All right. The next one we have is footage. The FBI had three of their best agents recording every moment on videotape. Unfortunately, when those three agents testified before Congress... All three swore that they forgot to actually put film in their cameras. The FBI was outraged. And they fined all the guys, all three guys, $50. (laughs) Like, this is a typical
1: thing that they do. I mean, you look at the Epstein. No footage. You look at the Pentagon with the 9-11. No footage. This. No footage. Ooh, we lost it. It's like, come on.
0: Didn't Ruby Ridge, they get fined for something? And it was like, wasn't even that much they get fined either?
1: I can't remember. I'm so enraged at this right now.
0: Your people gone, Aaron. How dare they? You used to play with little Timmy. Yeah. Rest in peace. I don't even know there was a Timmy, but we're going to say there is.
2: There's always a Timmy.
1: Okay. All right. Ana, you want to take a raising flag?
2: So with the raising flag that we're going to go over, the Branch Davidians had a flagpole on the property where they hung their flag up. After the raid and the compound burned down, the ATF took down the Branch Davidian flag and hung up their own. Now, that's a complete war move right there. We took your territory. It is. Also, the ATF and FBI members were taking pictures after the siege on top of their tanks.
1: Yeah, and this was while the compound was burning down.
2: Get this shit. They had gathered the burned remains of the Davidians and put them in a bucket. They then started posing with the pictures near the bucket, making funny faces. They were acting as if they were happy at what they had just done.
1: So there was something else in Strange Facts and Findings. So a lot of the things that they don't mention is like what happened to the kids after they were released. So like during March 9th and during that time period before the fire outbreak, and before the 51 days were up, um, some of the kids were released. As soon as they were released, they were, for an example, this one girl was given a, um, a teddy bear by her dad and said, whatever happens, keep this teddy bear with you and uh, I'll come back after all this and get the teddy bear back from you. She sat next to David and David was like, look, we're going to release you because the FBI wants us to release some of the kids. We're going to release you. Do you want to be released? And she said, no, I don't want to be released. And he says, look, I'm sorry. We have to release you. She started crying. David gave her a hug. She hugged her dad. And then her dad said, I'm going to come back for that um, for that stuffed animal. So then she leaves. She walks out of the compound. She starts walking. She gets like a few steps out. The uh, FBI rolls up in like this fucking armored vehicle and all jump out and pounce on her and like throw her on the ground. They like grab her bag, look through it to make sure she doesn't have any bombs or anything, and then throw her into the vehicle and then take off down the road with the vehicle. They take her into this room <clears throat> that's like a street over where they have this tent set up. And like one of the ATF people start questioning her. But it was like one of the hostage hostage negotiator was working with the ATF. The ATF would question and get info and then give that to the uh hostage negotiator. The kid would get like nonstop for like hours asked questions and then Taken to like this soda machine where they said they could get whatever they want, well, I mean, they don't drink soda, right? They don't have sugar. so after that, they would take the kid to where they were holding the rest of this kid. the rest of these kids in Waco was like this FBI type like compound thing. Well, the FBI was having some of its people run this compound where all the kids were being held, like they would cook for them and all that whenever she got there. She was like standing there waiting for something and she heard some of the people going through her bags in the room next to her and they were ripping her stuffed animal open and ripping all of her clothes up and laughing. And then she said uh, it was OK, like it seemed normal because she was around like all of her friends that she had been around. Right. The ones that had been released. But she said what stuck out to her the most was the FBI people talking shit, ripping up her stuffed animal. But then on the day that the fire happened, she said that she was eating breakfast and that the FBI, they had like a big TV in like the common area and one of the FBI people came and turned on the TV of the the news that was showing the compound being burned down and they turned the volume up and made all the kids watch it and the kids were like crying and the people, the FBI people were acting like nothing was wrong, like This was normal to them and that the kids would be better off without their crazy parents. Some of them even made remarks saying that uh, maybe your parents didn't love you and this is why it happened. So, yeah, that's how fucked up it was. And nobody talks about that. And not many people know that that happened. So, yeah, that's just one of the strange facts and findings. There you go.
2: Wow. That's heartbreaking.
0: Next one uh, is David Koresh's mother. The mother of the notorious Waco sect leader David Koresh has been found stabbed to death at the house of a sister in Texas, police say. Bonnie Clark Halderman, who was in her 60s, was found dead at the home of Beverly Clark, who has been taken into custody pending a court appearance. Ms. Clark Halderman was found on Friday afternoon in a rural area near Chandler, about 175 miles north of Houston. She had recently written a book about her son who led 80 people to the 1993 Waco siege. So, yeah, pretty weird that she was found dead in her home.
2: Yeah, like her sister would have killed her. Like, really?
1: Well, it gets a little weirder with mysterious deaths. Oh, yeah,
2: I got one right here. Uh Uh-oh. Back in April of 2000, Carlos Gialotti, who had been hired as a congressional expert to study the Waco infrared video, died mysteriously in his office in Washington, D.C. His findings had revealed that snipers did fire on Davidians as they ran out the back of the burning building. Do you think Lon was involved in that?
0: Probably. He was there. He was there. Either he was sniping or he was in one of those uh, armored vehicles. Yeah.
2: Again in 2000, Waco Sheriff Jack Harwell made a telephone call to the Davidian leader Clive Doyle. He described to Doyle that he had been dreaming about the children murdered at Waco and wanted to make a clean slate. Apparently the next day he had a heart attack. Oh, wait. How
1: convenient. Mm. So this last strange factor finding, I was digging through the FBI court documents, right? And I found this very interesting. This was a letter that was sent to the FBI, to the director of the FBI. And if you read it, it says, The standoff in Waco has the FBI and the ATF at bay, and the agencies seem not know how to deal with it. The leader of the individuals is a hypnotist, and they are under hypnosis. And is the leader self-hypnosis? The leader can stand off the government indefinitely posing as one under divine orders to do what he does. So, anyways, this court document is saying that they're all under hypnosis.
2: Hmm. I thought
1: that was weird.
2: Well, I wonder where he this person who wrote this felt like that was true.
1: I don't I don't know, because you think about it and you think about like all the common th- traits and things that Charles Manson and David Koresh shared, could that have been the same case for Charles Manson in the LeBlanc murders? Did he hypnotize the people into the murders? Possible.
2: They are super similar. Yep. And at the end it says, our justice system needs to be aware of how the mind benders operate and how to break the mind benders' strange hold. I, I am not a hypnotist. But surely the FBI has access to one, and one is all you need.
0: Damn. That ought to be a movie. Like, right before that, it is not in the national interest to allow this standoff to continue indefinitely. National interest, huh? Yeah. I guess that rolls us into, what, theories? Yeah.
2: Who's starting it off? I can do it. Lead us into theories.
0: Oh, our first theory. Cracked code. The ATF was not looking for an illegal arsenal when they raided Mount Carmel on February 28, 1993. Why? That most of the arsenal had been taken to Austin for a gun show that morning that the ATF knew about. What the ATF was really looking for was information stored on a computer, information which had been compiled by two Davidians, Jeff Little and Wayne Martin, both of whom were later killed in the final assault. Jeff Little was known by the Davidians as a computer expert who had previously worked for the Yamaha Corporation, where he was involved in a project to modify a law enforcement software to contain a trap door. Due to this trap door, Jeff Little had been able to hack into the Pentagon-CIA-FBI black operation databases. He discovered that the CIA, with the utilization of the CIA's Buffalo Airlines, were daily transferring cocaine, laundered money, special operations agents, kidnapped children for CIA pedophile programs, and arms. It also showed that the CIA's Buffalo Airlines activities had direct ties to George Bush Sr. and his direct involvement with the CIA, the Mafia, Syria, Jordan, Iraq, Colombia, Panama, Nicaragua, Costa Rica, Mexico, Peru, and other global locations that included the global elite's intelligence operations, baking operations, drug transfers, arms transfers, child pedophile kidnapping and transfers and global mon- money laundering network. The CIA found out about this hack and was able to trace it back to the Branch Davidian compound. Well yeah, I'd kill that man too. Yeah, I mean,
1: <laughs> if they, if that was real, holy shit, huh? That's a good theory.
0: Yeah,
2: I'm like speechless. Of course, makes me think of the CIA being tied into all the dirty deeds that we talk about. With them being drug runners, not r- runners, with them selling drugs, obviously kids being kidnapped and sex traffic, that just keeps popping up. I wouldn't have thought it popped up in here, in this topic. And here it is. Boom. This is fucking deep, you guys. This was 19, yeah, it's 1993, crazy. 1992.
1: <sighs> yep, yeah, it gets worse. These next two kind of go along with that. Do you want to cover those two?
2: So the minister of a rival Davidian church there in Waco went on record saying that David Koresh had worked with the CIA and the church housed a bio-warfare factory. Has this been talked about by anyone? Has anyone ever heard this? This is an Aaron find, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. It's an Aaron find.
2: Of course it is.
1: And there's some stuff to back this find up because it has been talked about
2: well yes by a, a woman named linda thompson who in a penthouse interview alleged that the branch davidian compound was actually a cia facility and that the atf raid was orchestrated by the fbi to shut it down this theory is similar to the one we just talked about but th- there is this guy this attorney uh, named paul wilcher he wrote a report to attorney general janet reno which he described Mount Carmel um, as a mind-control facility, and that David Koresh and his inner circle were programmed sleeper agents, or Manchurian candidates, who had been programmed to carry out a terrorist act with biological weaponry. However, Koresh and the other sleepers woke up from their programming and went rogue. The FBI and ATF had to move in and shut down the Mount Carmel facility. So shortly after the attorney, Paul Wilcher, wrote this report to Attorney General Janet Reno, he mysteriously died.
1: Of course he did.
2: Always.
1: Yeah, so a lot of weird things with the CIA.
2: Yeah, they weren't involved in any of that from what we see. Like, it was not public that the CIA was a part of the Waco siege. So for its name to be brought up, brings a little red flag to me.
1: Yeah, some good theories. It only gets better. So this this next theory is called saving kids. So this theory goes that all the kids that David Koresh had at his compound, he'd actually rescued from the elite that were trafficking them. David had an underground tunnel system that was connected to his underground bunker. So when David Koresh was found dead, he was found dead in his underground bunker, okay? He had this big underground bunker and supposedly had an underground tunnel system. So this theory goes that in his underground tunnel system, that during the standoff, when the big battering ram hit it, he tried to escape with the children. But when he went to the underground like, tunnel, he found out that the government had uh, already found out that there was a tunnel system there and staged shooters down there. These shooters shot and killed everyone execution style and staged it as a off and stabbed like a kid or two. So that's what explains explains some of them being shot and killed. Just a theory.
0: Oh. So uh, who wants to cover the last theory? I'll take it. The last theory that we have is tear gas and fires. Before Waco, there have been many cases where tear gas was used and fired followed. Fresno Cali, 1973, standoff between the police and Charles Sexton end with tear gas being thrown into his house and then it catches fire. LA California 1974. Standoff between the SLA and law enforcement ends and tear gas turns fire killing those inside. eighty one, West Fork Ar- Oh should I say it? I wanna say it. I wanna say it. Arkansas. No. West Fork, Arkansas. A standoff, tear gas, fire, death. 1985, Philadelphia attack against the MOVE group. 1987, Escondido, California, standoff, tear gas, fire, death. And a great quote from the docuseries on Netflix called Waco. The FBI knows this happens and yet they made no plan to put out a fire if one started. We are, all of us, Americans. When did we start seeing each other as enemies? Hmm. Well, what's y'all's personal thoughts and theories behind all this? Mine, I just think because of the whole, with all the cults happening and all that. So pretty much, I just believe this was a, a domino effect of taking out cults. Anybody that was pretty much against the government, they wanted to end all that. If one group was able to succeed and go to where they are have enough freedom and the government can't touch them, who would say that more wouldn't start? And
2: eventually they'd lose yeah, power. They would
0: get out of control. So I think this was just a means to an end. Yep.
2: I like that. Uh, I don't know. Maybe my mind is tainted from everything I know today. I just see that the ATF and FBI, they don't understand how to act rationally. And the minute that one of their own gets killed, they don't stop to make sure that they killed the people who killed their people. So the same thing happened in Ruby Ridge. Uh, one of their agents gets killed and then they return fire and kill their son killing uh, Vicky and uh, Randy's son and in this one they lost four. Four agents out of 76 that showed up they turn around and killed three fourths of the people inside the building where most of them were children it is an overreaction to what happened They have such an ego, going back to that masculinity thing when we talked about in the Raelian cult, Patreon, that they try to rule with a stern war mentality while the HRT was all about more of that feminine energy where we're going to talk it out. We're going to communicate and come to a solution together and we're going to get you out of there. I get why koresh didn't trust the agents because example one he let go of kids and three days later they turn around and cut off his power and i mean there was no how can you trust somebody who never follows through on their promises and so i just see that we have an extremely corrupt government from going back from way before 92 and they were pissed because they lost agents and that's, that's it, point blank. They just wanted to destroy, mainly Koresh, but they didn't care who was taken down in the path. Does that mean that the agents are brainwashed by our government to be able to sit there and kill kids or moon the kids or people in the buildings? Like, anybody who's ever been in the military and served, you come back. Could you sit there and look at a kid the same way and, like, as these people did and fuck with them? And look at them as less than human. This is like even on our own soil. They are treating Americans horrible. Imagine what they're doing across the seas. If they can sit there and look at our own people on our soil and do that to them. I feel horrible for whoever gets captured by our people in war. Because I can guarantee we're ruthless. And it's that's not the way that we should be doing this life. We fucking it up you guys. Yeah it's just a fuck up. Constant fuck-ups, they never stop. Uh, they have more publicity now because of TV. Or lack thereof, because the TVs mute everything that they're doing. Like COVID, covering up all these people being arrested for sex... Uh, for child molestation charges and sex trafficking. Y'all hear about any of that? And no, because they ain't talking about it. Because the media's fucking attached to everybody. But there's a shit ton of people being arrested right now for it. Go look it up.
0: Shoot, right now they're all more uh, focused on the hurricanes coming again. Yeah, there's like a double hurricane heading to Florida.
1: Yep. But anyways, uh, thank you for your thoughts on that. My thoughts, uh, of course, some of you may know I have some personal involvement in with this cult. I can't really say how my personal involvement is without giving away like my identity, which I respect my privacy. And I hope that everyone listening can respect my privacy enough. And respect me enough to know that I'm not going to reveal details about that. Later on, I probably will. As of right now, no. But so, oh, something we didn't talk about. Every day, the media would meet with the FBI and ATF. Every single day, they would meet with him. And if there was a reporter who was asking questions that didn't really put the narrative that the FBI and ATF wanted to paint, they would have their access badges revoked and they wouldn't be able to cover the story anymore. I think it was an overdramatization, like you said, Ana, of the FBI and ATF's ego. I also think that the local media had a big part to play in this. The CPS already proved that after their six-month investigation that there was no child abuse or anything like that happening, but yet the media still ran with it, and they still met with the FBI and ATF, a week before this whole raid happened so the ATF and FBI could get a, uh a, to look better in the eyes of the nation, which only t- made them look worse. But still the FBI and ATF said, oh, this is justified. This fire is justified. Killing these kids is justified because he was a cult member, when in reality, in my personal opinion, he was not. Was he a little bit crazy? Yeah, but who isn't, right? But, That's my personal opinion. It was a big fuck up on the government's part. And that's all I have to say about it. So, I guess uh, that's the end of today's episode. I want to thank you for joining us. And now we're going to roll on to the next thing, which is this week's On the Scene report. If you aren't familiar with On the Scene, it is where Hans goes out on the scene, in the streets, gets the people's opinions on what is happening in the underground conspiracy community. So we're going to play that right now
4: So do you believe in aliens? No Why not? Do you think we're the only sentient beings in the world? No What about Bigfoot? No. What about the spirit stuff of the Native Americans? You have to, it's in your blood <laughs> What about all
1: this uh, child sex trafficking stuff?
0: Yeah
1: What's your opinion on that?
0: That's messed
2: up What was it? What was that hotel that's involved mm. in it? Oh, I don't know. Or not a hotel. It's a furniture place. Oh,
4: Wayfair?
3: Yeah. Delivering furniture and find kids in it.
4: Yeah, that's pretty crazy. You down to cuddle later? Sure. What about doing some, some geisha
3: that
1: we used to do in Deltex?
2: Oh,
1: yeah? Mm-hmm. Eating each other's burritos. Ooh. <laughs> what the hell? That's not on the scene. That's that's on a different scene. Yeah,
2: on the scene at the gay bar with Hans.
1: Yeah, pretty much. But <laughs> thank you for on the scene this week, Hans. We love it.
2: We do, and guess what? Yes. We love you, Hans.
1: Yeah, we do, and we're proud of you. Boom. Yep. Alright. Now we're gonna roll to voicemails. This first voicemail is from Mr. Poopy Pants, and we're gonna play that right now.
0: Hello, people. My name is Mr. Poopy Pants, and I'd like to know how big is Bigfoot poop these days? You know, is it is it gonna cause a poop quake if he poops? And and does the 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 White House have big enough toilet papers in the facility to to accommodate his poop? You know, these are these are important questions for for Bigfoot 2020 and and I'd like to clarify these things with you people and you know I've been following your show for some time now and I'd just like to say you have a really great show and um, one of the suggestions I'd like to make is uh, have you ever researched or looked into the Nazca lines in Peru you know people so Bigfoot 2020 and, and I hope the poop is not too big and squashes the planet people you know
1: I'll let you handle that voicemail, Dan, since you're his campaign manager of Bigfoot.
0: I'd like to say, Mr. Poopypants, those are great questions. His poop is pretty big. And now that you mention it, the White House will have to have some modif- modifications done to it. It won't change the way it looks, but their toilets are going to have to be increased in size. The plumbing is going to have to be redone. Definitely the plumbing. But uh, going to have to replace some of the carpet in there with wood flooring because, I mean, I hate to say Bigfoot does shed a little bit. And with rugs, it, it's gonna destroy some vacuums, man.
2: That's like someone having long hair, always gets wrapped up in that thing when I'm cleaning houses.
0: Oh, you should see the shower after Bigfoot's done. Ooh, freaky! It's like pulling a little mini Bigfoot out of the <laughs> drain. <laughs> it's not good. Well,
1: thank you for the voicemail, Mr. Poopy Pants, addressing important questions about his uh, campaign in 2020, and I want I want to thank you for that, and I appreciate you, and I love you. Yes, yeah,
2: so we much actually love. haven't gotten very many campaign. Because most people just trust in Bigfoot because he's a candidate you can believe in.
1: Exactly. Boom. All right. So, this next voicemail we have is from Elizabeth, and uh, we're going to play that one right now.
4: Hey, guys, it's Elizabeth. Um, so, to answer Aaron, the giants were only there for like a few seconds so i don't know exactly what they were wearing but um or what how how to describe them but i do remember that one was in a green shirt with a brown vest and the other one was in an orange shirt with suspenders and then um their hair was like scraggly on top but like they were like normal looking they just looked oversized and maybe dressed a little differently but not necessarily like caveman or anything like that so i mean they were pretty normal looking they were skinny they weren't mean looking or anything like that they were just two f- friends walking along and happened to pop into our world for a few seconds um but yeah like i mean when they talk about like bleed throughs and stuff like i mean i've experienced uh f- well i don't know if the technical term is fairies but um fairies and and those kind of spirits and whatnot so i, I definitely believe in all that stuff Because I've experienced it firsthand, um. But my story for today will be um about I had a friend that I became kind of close to. She was only living in our apartment for um like our apartment building for a little while that we were living in, but um we became pretty close. We saw each other like every day kind of deal. She became pregnant, so I was telling her how you know some of my stories and how I've seen things and whatnot like that. And I've never tempted to like read anybody or do anything like that because I don't feel like I have enough knowledge to give somebody false hope or give anything to somebody. So I don't like to predict for somebody or anything like that. Um, I am a little bit compelled to tell people if I do see something, just because I'm like that. I don't hold things in. <laughs> um, but in this particular instance, we were sitting there kind of late at night, and Jello's at work, and. We're sitting at the kitchen table, and I I had the view of the um, crib that I had for my future daughter. We had a miscarriage, unfortunately. Anyways, um, we bought a crib, and st- um, I was talking to her, and she asked me if she saw anything, if I saw anything around her. As this was my first time, I wasn't really sure what I was doing or what I was looking for, but. As she was asking, I looked over to the crib and saw a gentleman standing there. He was in overalls, um, like a do-up shirt and khaki pants. And I, he was an older gentleman and I said, well, I see this gentleman, do you recognize him? And she's like, that's my grandpa. I'm like, well, your, your baby that you're pregnant with will have part of your grandpa in them, either their spirit or whatever will be a part of them. And so that was kind of cool. I was able to tell her a little bit about her future child. I do believe that when you die, the spirit, you know, kind of splits into two and part of it comes back and lives into somebody else. And then um, part of it goes up to heaven or wherever you want to believe it goes to. (laughs) I'm not sure what I believe in anymore. Um, But yeah, like I, I thought that was kind of cool. It was my first attempt at actually like reading somebody or whatever. Um, And as I was telling her this, she also saw something on the foothill that's behind us, it's kind of like half mountain, half foothill. She um, saw something go up that. So it was kind of cool that she also saw something as well to kind of believe me, quote unquote. (laughs) But anyways, I'll leave it there for today. I've got lots more stories. So I'll leave
2: another one next week. Love you guys. Bye.
1: We love you, Elizabeth.
2: Yes, we do. We love you lots.
0: Yes, much love.
2: I'm impressed with the stories you come to the table with every week. What an interesting experience. And to, good for you, for in that moment, trusting your gut, even though you haven't done it before and you just weren't, you've never put yourself in that position. But in that moment, you knew that was the right thing to say. That's a huge learning lesson. And I know that you've excelled and advanced your skills since then. So you probably don't need to hear this, but I'm proud of you. And I love you.
1: <laughs> and I love you. And I'm proud of you as well. And I love you. And thank you for describing the giants to me. Very interested in giants. We're going to have to do an episode over those here pretty yeah. soon. And thank you for sharing your experiences with us. And again, I look forward to hearing back from you as always each week. And I hope you and Dale have a great week
0: and a great weekend. Yes. Much love. Much love. Thank you for the voicemail telling the stories. I was actually intrigued by the giants I, right there.
2: I could imagine them.
0: Oh, yeah.
2: Oh, uh, welcome to Discord, by the way.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Welcome. All right.
1: So now we're going to move to ratings and reviews. All right. So the first review we have this week is from Ariel Me. It was left on 62820. It is five stars. So the subject line that reads, Love it already. They go on to say, I love conspiracy theories and the unknown type of stuff. I was looking around for something good. And while I found interesting stuff, they really didn't touch with the topics I had interest in. But you did, and you did them well. From the sound effects to the actual talking. You guys seriously make an interesting and 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 an exciting podcast. I really enjoy this. Well, thank you, Ariel Me. I really enjoy you. And uh thank you for the five stars. Thank you for the love. I love you, and I'm proud of you.
2: Thank you so much for the love.
0: Yes, much love. Thank you. Our next review is from... Camarusky, that's what I'm gonna go with. Sounds pretty cool that way since it seems like your name's Cameron. Yep. Yeah. Left on 630 from the U.S. titled Breath of Fresh Air with five stars. This is literally the first podcast I've ever listened to besides Joe Rogan, of course, which was always on YouTube. I'm an avid outdoorsman hunting, fishing, camping, and backpacking with my children and wife are my passions. I don't participate in social media other than YouTube because I'm a firm believer in communicating face to face. When this virus hit, I was working from 4 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the business I own. Wanting to make certain I don't get infected and pass it on to my children, I switched to working nights to avoid people as much as possible while still getting a massive amount of work done. So now I go to work at 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. I was constantly listening to the news for the first few weeks and becoming more and more confused and worried about all of what's going on. During that time, I got a new iPhone which had a podcast app on it. I opened it up and began looking through all the different topics. I settled on yours and boy was I not disappointed. I can't tell you how thankful and appreciative I am of your ability to keep my mind off of the madness we currently find ourselves in. You are entertaining as well as informative about subjects I've always been interested in. I'm 37 and live in New Mexico so you can imagine all the strange things, strange things I've seen in the beautiful desert nights out here. Thank you for everything you do. Stay safe, stay healthy, and most of all, Stay weird. Love conquers all, Cameron.
2: Damn it.
0: I thank you for that.
2: That was really good, Cameron. Thank you.
1: Yes. But yes, thank you. We love you and we're proud of you and I'm glad you found us. And I'm sorry about the virus. And if I could change it, I would. Do you want me to tell it to stop? Stop there, Rona. Yeah. But anyways, I love you and hopefully you're still listening. And if so, here's a shout out for you. I love you. And, and Aaron would tell you to stick it to the man, but you're the man. Yeah, you are the man. Stick it to yourself. Boom. I like that. <laughs> all
2: right. This next one comes from Kid Cuddy Cutter, and we finally moved into July, you guys, with this one, July first. This was titled T O Three K, five stars. I love you guys. Keep up the good work, Aaron, Daniel, and Anna. I love all the episodes, you guys. You guys get me through the work week. Looking forward to upcoming episodes. Well, thank you, Kid Cuddy Cutter. Appreciate the love.
0: Nice, do I love me some kid Cuddy? Yeah, thank
1: you, Mister Solo Dolo. Uh, I love you. I love your first album, A Kid Named Cutter. Great stuff. Um, I thank you and I love you, and I'm proud of you for everything Boom. you've done. Much love. This next review was left on July 1st. It is from Cobia. Cobia, is that right? Cobia. 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 uh. Cobia. Cobia. Kobe. I don't know. It is uh, five stars, a subject line that reads very good. They go on to say, I enjoy the theories very much. Definitely gives you a lot to think about. Keep up
0: the good work. Thank you, Cobia. I love you.
2: Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Much love. The next one we have is from DV3279, left on July 2nd, from the U.S., titled Great with Five Stars. And it says, Great podcast. Listening will definitely make your weenus twitch. It definitely does. Mine twitches every day. That's a fact. It, yeah, I can vouch.
2: I've seen them. They told me it's called the wee wee dance, but I just watch it, and it's so entertaining.
0: Yeah, if we had to give it a name,
2: Jack and the Giant Beanstalk. <laughs> uh, all right. So this next one comes from RTK nine two eight seven, left on July second, titled "Obsessed." Five stars. I don't ever write reviews, but seeing as though this pandemic has put a damper on my finances. I wanted to be able to show my support in another way, which we appreciate you for so very much. Yes, thank you. You guys are so dope. My husband and I have been listening to an entire season in two days. We listened to two other paranormal podcasts, and I believe you guys have just become our new favorite. Keep up the episodes, or keep the episodes coming. Thank you, RTK9287. I hope that we're still pleasuring you in ways that you've never felt before, and we love you so much. Thank you.
0: And we're proud of you, and thank you. Yes, much love. Thank you for the review, and I hope we keep uh, staying your new favorite. Mm-hmm.
1: All right, this next review is on July 2nd. It is from Haley Honga. It is five stars. The subject line that is a heart emoji. They go on to say, you guys are straight-up awesome. I'm super picky on what podcasts I listen to, but you guys are like the best. Thanks.
0: No, thank you, Haley Hong.
2: Thank you, Haley. We love you.
0: I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, yeah, I'm the best. Just kidding. No, thank you. You're the best because you picked us. It's true. Our next one is from BBEJ four three two one, left on July fourth, titled "Great Show" with five stars. Fun show with an open-minded cast. You guys work great with one another. Every episode is well-researched, and the conversation between the cast is great. Oh, well, we appreciate that.
2: Yes, thank you.
0: Yeah, thank you for the love. Yeah, we, we usually sit around and, you know, talk shit to each other just to loosen the mood up. Always. Yeah. Like Aaron over there. Always gotta get loose. Over there with that sexy beard of his. I'm kind of jealous, even though I have a beard. Just, just, just majestic. Thank you. I don't call mine full Jihad.
2: All right, this next one comes from Mr. G Bowie from Great Britain. Two stars, little cringe. I'm like the info and the stories. They have its... I'm reading it just as it is, by the way, for his sake, because it gave us such a good review. I'm like the info and the stories. They have its just the acting. It's terrible. I wish they would drop the heavy scripted banter and wee more natural with each other. Word for word. Well, thank you, Mister G. Bowie. Well,
0: I get what he's saying. He he likes the info and in the stories. Just our acting is a little terrible. Which, I mean, I am not a professional actor.
1: I went to Juilliard. How dare yeah, you to say ended, that? Yeah, it You know, no, I'm so. just kidding. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah, I mean, I know my acting's not great. I try though. Okay, I was only in one episode, or I was only in one commercial when I was nine years old. Okay, I was only in one Barney episode when I was like ten. All right.
2: Hey. Have you ever woken up with your asshole hurting? You could talk to me, buddy. Who, me? Yeah, you. You being on Barney. No. Anything kid related now a just A Jiffy odd.
1: commercial. A Jiffy peanut butter commercial. I was a model for Hollister.
2: Did they okay. rub peanut butter all over your body and tell you everything right now is normal?
1: Uh, no, I can't remember that.
0: I don't know. I think they mind warped me.
1: I
2: think you've repressed some memories.
0: Yeah, do you have like a real obsession with peanut butter now? I love peanut butter. <laughs> absolutely love it. <laughs> <laughs> Do I admit I love peanut butter too, but I didn't have. I wasn't a model for Hollister. I was a model for uh, the Fat Kid Camp. You were the model for the OLN Outdoor
1: Life Network. You're a man. I'm a man. That's how Bigfoot found me. Anyways, thank you for the review, Mister G Bowie. I'll take that acting into consideration. Yeah.
2: Hopefully, we've improved our skills since this was this was made.
1: Yeah. Maybe we should take acting classes. All right. So this next review was left by Believe Lindy from Australia. They, it is five stars with subject line that reads so good. they go on to say, I am in Australia. I love your podcast and I've been listening for ages. Please never stop. Love all you guys. Lindy. Well, thank you, Lindy. I believe in you and I love you. And we ain't, we ain't stopping. And I hope you're good and safe down there, Australia.
2: Can't stop, won't stop. Thank you, Ooh. Believe Lindy. Appreciate you. Super kind words.
0: Yes, thank you for the review. Much
1: love. Much love. All right, so that's the end of the reviews. We'll go on to shout-outs. I've got a couple of people I want to shout-out on Instagram, but I want to shout-out Sarah M. Sending us some great info. Uh, Ferg. That's not Fergie, but Ferg. Uh, ben W. NATO, Gracie, or Grace R. KDS. Molly E. You know, I just wanted to give all those shout-outs. If I missed you. Just let me know and I'll give you a shout out. But I want to thank everybody on Instagram for being so cool, being so tight. I love you. Stay tight, stay cool, and I'm proud of you. Uh, what do you have uh, for Facebook shout outs, Dan?
0: I don't have many this week. I have probably like two that I'll just shout out. I know I started uh, talking to Jake Farm again. He said he had a voicemail to send to us, but he hasn't sent it yet. So we'll probably play that, get that next week and play it. But then, uh let's see. Got a from a Tom. He's like, "Good day, guys. Love the podcast. I'm from Australia, and I think you guys should do a few stories on Australian conspiracies and all that." But he's just like, "Anyway, love the show. Keep it up." I've already discussed to y'all about the topics topics he suggested, so give him a shout out. Then uh a uh, Bobby. He's sending me stuff about Bigfoot. One was a shirt that said, "Uh, I want to be the one who has a beer with Daryl," and has Bigfoot carrying a case of beer. I was just like, thought no, that was pretty cool." But then he sent me a video of uh. Someone in a Bigfoot costume playing the, tr- Ooh, I don't know, playing an instrument of the "Take Me Home" country roads. That shit was was pretty badass. So give him a shout out. Nice. Well, that uh, got Leslie, got Justin, Stacy, people that send me stuff on uh Facebook about the past episodes we talked about and everything. So yeah, just give them a shout out. That's pretty much all I got for now.
1: Nice. So what you got for Twitter, Anna?
2: So, I got a mix of Twitter and Discord. My first shout-out is going to go to my new friend, BlueWolfBoy08. He's so cool beyond his years. I appreciate him so much. He's a little rock star. Let me tell you, though, Blue Wolf, make sure you do your chores. Because doing your chores right the first time means you get to do all the fun stuff sooner. So get her done, my friend. Uh, my next one goes to Devachu from Discord. Been loving the conversation with her lately. I'm sorry you live across the pond and our time schedules don't work great. But I see you getting in on that Discord chat. So in the morning it might not be as poppin'. But at least that there's always someone in there for you to talk to. Um, there's just been a lot of good conversation on Discord. Like stems, always slickers. Uncle Dave has been real popping lately. Sasquatchy, 420 for life. Appreciate you coming in with all the conversation lately as well. We had some uh, name changes in Discord that have made me laugh a bit. Uh, (laughs) Kneecaps and (laughs) Tankfish.
1: Yeah, they lost a UFC bet, so they had to change their name to I'm their daddy. Which Aaron equals daddy, and Aaron is daddy ready for lotion or something like that. I like that. (laughs)
2: Nice. Yeah. Aaron, my daddy, and Aaron, Aaron equals lotion on my body or something like that, yeah. Um, not today, CIA just joined us, but I just love his name so much. <laughs> uh, and then going over to Discord, I mean, not Discord, so going over to Twitter, I shouted out James Savage last week, and he wrote back saying, thanks for the shout out, in particular, Anna. I cracked up laughing whilst listening to Ruby Rose ruby ridge in the gym when i got a mention too awesome anytime james i appreciate your love so of course i'm going to spread it right back to you uh, mr chup he posted a rest in peace to samuel weaver he was murdered 28 years ago today by federal agents he did that on the 22nd um He said, just listening to the podcast on Ruby Ridge, being Aussie, we didn't get much info on this. Halfway through PC, and I'm shocked and angry. Yeah, we've been definitely throwing out some heavy episodes, so totally get that. Uh, Chava, Ethan Bonin, both started following us, Clint D.H., Smith, I'm Baby K., Amber Black Lives Matter started following us, too. Um, we're just making our rounds out there on Twitter. You guys are really expanding our Twitter page, and I really appreciate you, Trey Horn. You know, you guys are... I haven't been on there so much this week. I apologize, but I will get back to you. And I want to shout out White Rabbit on Discord as well. Been super awesome in conversation lately. Uh, I love that you... have Got You put your shirts in your game room and display them because you're proud? Oh, I love it. That makes me feel so good. Um, So you keep, you don't disappear, lady. You stay around. And you make your way into the Discord when I'm in there. And you give me a little chitty chatty. I appreciate you. You're amazing. And I love you.
1: And I'm proud of you. Boom. Alright, so that's the end of today's episode. I want to thank you all for joining us, and again, thank you for your support. You're amazing, every single one of you. So with that being
0: said, Dan and Anna, you want to roll us out? Sure will. It's okay to be out of this world with your thoughts.
2: Because you're not alone.